CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell, and we welcome you into our Grey Cup preview show. Yes, that's right. The Grey Cup is here. We're down to two teams left in the CFL playoff race. The Toronto Argonauts and the Calgary Stampeders will face off in Ottawa for the Grey Cup this Sunday. And we're here to set it all up. Uh, we'll break down the division finals where we have Calgary over Edmonton out west and Toronto beating Saskatchewan out east in two great playoff games. Uh, we'll break those all down and then we'll set up the matchup between Toronto and Calgary here on this week's episode of the podcast. So without further ado, let's get things underway and welcome in my co-host, Michael Garrell. Good evening, Mike. Good evening, Ryan. Grey Cup is finally here. Can you believe it? Uh, yes and no. It's been a long 20 weeks plus two weeks of playoff. Time flies when you're having a good time, that's for sure. Absolutely. What a season it's been, and now it all comes down to this. Two teams are left, Mike. The Calgary Stampeders and the Toronto Argonauts will face in the Grey Cup this Sunday with one of them going on to win the CFL championship known as the Grey Cup. Um, your thoughts on uh, just quick kind of basic thoughts on the these two teams being in the Grey Cup. Are we talking uh, Toronto and Calgary? Yes, the two teams yeah. in the Grey Cup, yeah. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> For Calgary, I am absolutely flabbergasted that they won yesterday. I did not think they had it in them. And Toronto was fortunate. So at the end of the day, the first place teams in both divisions that Arguably had the easiest road to the Grey Cup, ended up succeeding. But it wasn't without a whole lot of drama. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Two really well-played football games this weekend in the division finals leading into the Grey Cup matchup here. These were two football games that, okay, you look at the division semifinals, they may not have been so great. You know, the Bombers' defense... Uh, and then what Saskatchewan did to the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks didn't make it as exciting of football games. But the division the finals, these were two great games, and what a great way to head into the championship. You know what? I, I would take, a, I would take a, a step back and maybe suggest that, you know, the, the division semifinals, they were a lot better than I anticipated. How so? I, I expected, uh, quite frankly, Saskatchewan to run over Ottawa, which happened. Um, in the same sense, I also thought that Ottawa would dominate Saskatchewan. So there was still the, I think for me, it was just the amount of unknowns that were surrounding both matchups. For Ottawa, the rest factor, Saskatchewan, the crossover factor, for the Bombers, how the defense would play, and for um, Edmonton, you know, would they be able to ma maintain their hot, hot runs? 
So getting into this week a little bit, I think there were storylines aplenty with, you know, how would Calgary respond after losing three straight going into the playoffs. There were storylines of Toronto, you know, to Bill BMO Field, which I'm happy to see that they did for yesterday's game. Uh, there was also a story of uh, exactly what would happen if, you know, it's just Dashville was legit after winning the uh, the Eastern semifinal. Yeah, and getting into these division final games and breaking it all down, and then we set up the matchup between the Argos and the Calgary Sam Peters for the Grey Cup in Ottawa. Starting with the West Division final, Mike, what was the question on everyone's mind? What was Jason Maz thinking? And if you don't know what I'm talking to, if you missed the end of this football game, basically the Edmonton Eskimos down seven points, a minute 43 left on the clock, I believe, and it's third down and four yards. That He decides to kick a field goal when they're 20 yards away from the end zone. So they kick the field goal, they get the three points off of it, but then you have a minute 43, you still need to get the ball back, and since you're down four, you still need to go out and score a touchdown. Can you make any sense of this decision from Jason Moss? Because obviously it ended up being a huge blunder for them. Honestly, man, and I will say this over and over and over again, I I, I agree with Jason Moss what he did yesterday. Why? I do. But why? And, and if I'm coaching in the CFL, I do the same thing. Can you give me a reason why is the question, though? Um, Largely in part because if you look early in the game or early in the drive, in fact, he made a third and six. It's very hard to convert two third downs. He's thinking, you know, take the sure points, trust your defense, which was playing well up until that point. But they weren't. They gave up 100 yards rushing in the first half. Uh, It's it's would have, could have, should have, right? It's like... The, the the narrative is the other way around when you say, you know, she should have uh, he should have uh, taken the uh, field like he should have gone for it, and then they don't get it, and it's like oh he should have taken the field goal. But what benefit would the field goal have ever even given them? Well, now this goes back to what happens with twenty seconds left in the football game. If he doesn't fumble that punt, this is even a non-factor. The only reason that this is even a discussion point, Edmonton had the ball. They were getting the ball back, and they fumbled it. Yes, but they're getting the ball back at, say, their 40-yard line with 20 seconds on the clock having to get a touchdown when they could have done that from the 15-20 yard line and only had to go 20 yards. No matter which way you break this down, I, 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 I... don't agree with you. I don't think there's a positive way you can spin this for the decision that Moz made here. And, and a lot of people will agree with me on that because, you know, th- if you want to talk about percentages, like you said, about making two third downs in a drive, they already made two third downs in a drive is one point. The other point here is very clearly, if you're talking about percentage chance of you're going to come out on top based on your decision, either kick a field goal or go for it on third down, you can't tell me Going for it on third down, third and four, is a higher probability than recovering an onside kick and marching all the way down the field. Now, if you wanted to to another discussion, I'm stunned after taking a field goal, but he didn't try the onside kick. 
Well, and uh, he put faith in his defense, which I think, I, I hate to say this, as good as that defense has been down the stretch, I mean, like, it's just the percentages baffle me, because third down and four, even if you turn the ball over there, it makes no difference. You still need to stop Calgary's offense, right? They had to stop him either way. Exactly. So go for it on third down. And people talking about, oh, he played to win the game, right? Because with that field goal, if they go down and score a touchdown in the final seconds, they win the football game. Well, if you're that much, don't want to force overtime and go out and win the football game. And this has been pointed out by multiple people on Twitter. The most recent one I saw was Dave Naylor. If you're that high on, we need to not go out to tie, but we need to go out to win the football game. Go for it on third down, get into the end zone, and then try the two-point convert for the win. There's a lot of ifs. So many more high percentage plays than that that he could have done. I don't understand what it was. People calling for Jason Moss' job after this, I think, is a little bit ridiculous, to be fair. But certainly, I mean, the Eskimos had it. The very real chance they have it. Third and four down. Third and four. Ball, you know the ball's going to Brandon Zilstra yet again there. He comes up clutch most likely. Um, you're getting into the end zone a couple plays later, and we could be very well looking at the Eskimos off to the Grey Cup. Yeah, I mean, the narrative is the other. It's so, like, no matter what decision is made, the inverse, if the inverse happens, there's discussion. But I don't, do you honestly think if they go out and miss it on third down there, someone's going to go out, like, everyone's going to go and say, oh, they should have kicked the field goal and then gotten the defensive stop. When you needed the defensive stop either way, the field goal actually didn't really make, didn't, wouldn't have benefited them really anyways. They still need to go out and get a touchdown. Well, the fact of the matter is too, Ryan. Edmonton should not have been in that position because they missed two field goals. Yeah. And you you make one of those two field goals. You know, it's a four-point game. It changes the whole dynamic. Right. And obviously, like, this is kind of the focal point of the outcome of this game because it is such a magnified decision late in the game in such a prominent game. But there were definitely other things that led to the, you know, led to Edmonton uh, faltering in this one and Calgary going off to the Grey Cup. Edmonton comes out flying early on. They outscore Calgary 14-0. If you ask me coming into this game, you know, Calgary, we said Calgary's offense needs to get things going early. Quick, long drives, put some points on the board. Eskimos shut him out 14-0 in the first quarter. If the Eskimos can play some consistent football throughout the rest of the way there, they're on their way to the Grey Cup. But right there in the second quarter, 22 points for the Calgary Stampeders to one for the Eskimos. And all of a sudden, Calgary has the lead going into the second half. Can we talk about something else? What's that? 14-0, 14 nothing. Edmonton did in the ball bat, and they fumble? That changed the game right there. The so-called TSN tor- turning point, if you will, right? It is unbelievable how the inability and a fumble as well by Posey in the Argo game opened the door for the Riders to win. How something such as fumbling can change a momentum of a monster football game, and we saw this in both games this week. If you don't protect the football, you ain't gonna win, or you have a less likelihood of winning. Do you now? Now I've 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 had this kind of standing point on 
teams losing in playoffs. I, I want to know if you agree with me on this, that a loss in the playoffs, all of you know the mistakes that have hurt you all season long come to fruition and bite you in the playoffs. More times than not. More times than not. There are some cases where you play a heck of a football game and the other team plays just a little bit better, right? But in this case, you know, you looked at the Eskimos. They they, they fumbled the ball. Uh, you said they missed two field goals, correct? Yep. They missed two field goals. They had special teams issues uh, at the field goal position all season long. Uh, in the return game, they had some issues most of the year. Jamil Smith came in. We thought he was doing great. He had a great game against the Bombers the week before. He goes and fumbles that ball late in the game to seal the deal. While, yes, it would have been hard, possibly, with 20 seconds left for them to get down the field to the end zone, but it's the CFL. You never know. And it's Mike Riley and Brandon Zilstra. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and then you have, you know, this decision by Jason Maz, which... Um, He's been a pretty solid coach all season long, but we talked about when it came down to the matter, and this is not not his temper whatsoever, right? It's not like he flipped out or anything here, but we talked about the coaching matchup between these two teams, Dave Dickinson, Jason Moss. It looked like Jason Moss got a little flustered with that decision late in the game, and that and that's just another thing that went and bit them in the butt. There's a lot of mistakes that get analyzed and talked about and agonized about. Jason Moss might have let the moment get too big for him, but he's also been a coach in the past that takes chances. Right. So am I surprised by what happened yesterday? No. Am I shocked? No. The Eskimos, to be in that position where the Eskimos had circumstances and reasons why they were in that position to begin with, and they made mistakes. Calgary took advantage, and good teams, when given an opportunity, walked through the door, and make the other team pay for their mistakes. For sure, and that's exactly what Calgary did here. Mike, quick question for you. Yep. You, your defensive player of the year, who is it? Oh, boy. I, I have no clue. Solomon Aluminian, Alex Singleton. You got Ed uh, Gainey. You got... You could make a strong case for any one of those that you just suggested. Uh, a couple bombers. There's a guy that that's getting no consideration for defensive player of the year that I think very well, and he proved it again this week. Should have been up there, and obviously it's overshadowed because his teammate is up for defensive player of the year in Alex Singleton. And the guy I'm talking about is Tommy Campbell of the Calgary Stampeders. This was pointed out to me uh, when I did the roundtable last week when uh, I had Ryan Ballantyne of CFL Horseman or sorry Horseman Radio on the show to talk about the Calgary Stampeders. In the entire 20-game regular season, Tommy Campbell did not give up a single touchdown. As a DB? As a defensive back, yes. Okay, I just want to make sure I heard you right. That's that's unbelievable. The guy he was going up against in this playoff game happened to arguably, Brandon Zilstra aside, be the hottest member of the Edmonton Eskimos over the last several weeks, Adarius Bowman. 
And what does he go and do? He completely shuts down Bowman, holds him to two catches for 26 yards and no touchdowns. As much love as you want to give to Alex Singleton on that Calgary defense, Tommy Campbell has had an outstanding year and is definitely not getting the recognition he deserves. Yeah, you, you, you can't argue with that. And, you know, the CFL playoffs, much like any other playoffs, it's time for a hero to step up uh, and be very, uh, um, you know, this is the time of the season, Ryan, where heroes are born and players step up and make big plays. So who was the who is the hero for the Calgary Stampeders in this football game? Honestly, Dave Dickinson. Why? It's very easy to get down on yourself, down 14 nothing. Dave Dickinson's demeanor, down 14 nothing, especially with what has been going on in Calgary of late. Well, you know, when they've been down as much as they have, it's kind of very easy to go, here we go again. We're down 14 nothing, and things are not going well. Right. I would, I would, you know what? Who I, I would go and argue for uh, is Roy Finch of the Calgary Stampeders was the hero in this game. Two hundred over two hundred all-purpose yards return game. He led the team in rushing. He had four carries for eighty-one yards, including a fifty-yarder that uh, that really opened things up there for the Stampeders. Uh, the run game overall was on a roll, and Calgary's offense as a whole had a great game. Yeah, and it's amazing what happens when you get help from all three facets of the game. Yeah, yeah, and it it really moved things well for the Stampeders. This is what I wanted to see from their offense. Uh, and, you know, you and I were kind of talking halfway through the game here, and I, I went and said, because throwback to last week, we gave the Stampeders no chance. We both picked the Eskimos to win this game um, because of Calgary's offensive struggles throughout the year mostly. They came out and did what they had to in order to get things done, and they had a great game plan. And like I was saying in our conversations yesterday, we should have seen this coming because Calgary, no matter how things go, comes to play in the West Division Final. It, it, I did bat everything I said about Calgary over the last three weeks. So, so now we're getting like now we're not going to get into the Grey Cup quite yet here. But um, does this performance by the Stampeders erase the concerns we've had throughout that three-game losing streak and down the stretch of the season as we get into the Grey Cup? Yep. But again, we said Calgary were heavy favorites last year, and they lost. Right. So we've seen Calgary be here before, but have been unable to finish the job. That That's, that's very true, and this is the year. Maybe this is the year for them. Maybe, I, I don't know. How much do you think that looms large over them, the loss to Ottawa last year, as they prepare for Toronto this week? It's not just that, Ryan. It's They've lost in great cups before. Like In my estimation, they've only won one great cup in the last... But Calgary doesn't have multiple great cups in the last five years. Right. And yet they've been in the Western Final five or six years in a row. Right, yeah. And they've won a fair amount of those. So it's almost like Calgary gets to the great top and then loses the game that's really, 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 really important. That sort of defines your entire season. 
well, absolutely defines your entire season. And we'll see if this win over the Eskimos here is a rallying point for them going into this Grey Cup game because Toronto's not going to be an easy matchup for them at all. I mean, even though Toronto is like middle and around 500, I think they were 9-9 nine and nine, uh, to, to finish the season and yep. then into the playoffs. Um, you know, we saw this last year with Edmonton, or with Ottawa, so I think they were 8-9-1 and one or something like that last year. Right, yes. And just this Calgary, the heavy favorite notion that seemingly seems to follow the Stampeders in every great cup that they play and being unable to live up to the expectations. I, I wonder, and I shudder to think the ramification if it happens two years in a row. Is Calgary is Calgary the heavy favorite coming into this Grey Cup, though? Because I, I don't see it that way. I, I don't either, but, I mean, if you look at the, if you look at the records, I mean, for my estimation, like what we saw from Toronto defense yesterday, Bully by Mitchell didn't have a heck of a lot of problems. If Toronto's even three quarters of what they had yesterday. And let's move over into talking. You mentioned that Toronto defense about the Eastern final. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Toronto Argonauts, the Argos go on to win 25 21. Uh, in quite a wild fourth quarter, if I do say so myself. Coming into the fourth quarter, it's 18-3 Toronto. Uh, Saskatchewan goes and takes the lead late with about three minutes left on a Christian Jones punt return touchdown. And then the Argos come back and win it uh, near the final seconds of the game with the Cody Fajardo one-yard run. Uh, yeah, and it's it, it's interesting because... And if I may talk about Saskatchewan here for a minute. Go for it. The loopy loop of quarterback carousel finally bit them in the you-know-what yesterday. Allow me, Mike, to go back to what I said uh, probably about 10, 15 minutes ago. Yes. In the playoffs, the what has been hurting you all season long comes to fruition and hurts you in the playoffs. And that's yeah. exactly what just happened with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. While it didn't hurt them throughout the regular season, having that quarterback carousel, we all knew eventually something had to give if it was going to continue, and it did in this game. Kevin Glenn throws three interceptions. His team's down twenty, or sorry, eighteen to three at the end of the uh, at the end of the third quarter. And He's... they were lucky to be not behind even further. Right, and so they're down in a hole uh, going into the fourth quarter. Here, Brandon Bridge comes in. Leads them on a comeback here, but they fall just short in the end. Here's the thing. Kevin Glenn played the first quarter, I think it was. Brandon Bridge came in, didn't fare much better. Chris Jones then went back to Kevin Glenn. Oh, wow. I didn't see that part. He went back to Kevin Glenn. That's when he threw the bat-to-bat pits on bat-to-bat drives, mm-hmm. including that pit sits. Which the art, which everybody in Saskatchewan, including a certain individual, we won't thinks, name people, thinks that the play was uh, a hit to the head or roughing the passer. Pardon me. And if you looked at the replay, he'd raised in the helmet of Tevin Blunt. How that's not pass interference or not? Sorry, not pass interference, but roughing the passer. I will never know, but. That did not. That was not the sole reason why Saskatchewan lost this game. 
Yeah, if I can grace, if I can gracefully kind of address the conspiracy theories that are out there, that go ahead because I, I I'm sick of hearing about them. To be honest with you, that the uh, the CFL wanted the Argos into the Grey Cup. The CFL didn't want the Saskatchewan in the Grey Cup. The they didn't want the crossover team because an All West final is not good for the league. I've heard all of these things since yesterday's game. You hear them time and time again. Oh, the CFL rigged this game. Bad calls, the refs blew it and everything. Go back to what I said last week after the loss for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to the Edmonton Eskimos. Did I think the officiating wasn't great? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, you can only go and blame the refs for a loss if you thought you played an otherwise perfect game. And the Saskatchewan Rough Riders absolutely did not do so. Yeah. To me, the Riders... We're the better team yesterday for stretches, but they shot themselves in the foot. Turnovers will kill any football team in any game, and it also cost the Rough Riders, ultimately. Well, and and you can kind of tell, you mentioned that quarterback carousel, how first it's Glenn, then it goes back to Bridge, then it goes to Glenn. That's how you can tell that you're worried in a football game, especially in the playoffs, when you're flipping back and forth after every drive here, thinking, I got to get something going, I got to get something going. That's when you know things aren't working, and you very well realize your playoff life is coming to an end. Yeah, and I think it brought forth the reality that the Riders are a good team. They're just not there yet. I I think they're close. I mean, this is... 100% the closest I've seen in a while to a uh, crossover team almost making it to the Grey Cup. I mean, they were three minutes away from going on to be the first crossover team in CFL history to go on to the Grey Cup. This after the rebuild just started last year or the year before, I think it was, in Saskatchewan. So I think overall, once the, you know, sourness, the bitterness of the lost playoff game here subsides... I think Riders fans can look at this season and say, yeah, there was a lot of good that we saw from the Riders this year. There's a heck of a lot to build on for the future. And they've already started doing that by bringing back Willie Jefferson. Uh, the rumored to have already rumored or reported, uh, possibly finalized by now, by the time this is done recording or released. Um, Willie Jefferson will be back with Saskatchewan with a new contract again. He was a huge piece on that defensive line. And I imagine there are going to be many more guys coming back for the Riders to build around for years to come. Here's another interesting thing. Riders were one drop pass away from going to the Grey Cup. Yeah. It's, it Toronto, was, can, Toronto converts a third and seven, I think there was, to James Wilder in the last minute there. Oh, boy. I don't know who that Saskatchewan defender was. But he was standing right there to knock that pass down. He was just not facing the play. It was agonizing to watch. If that rider defender, I'm not sure. Maybe Antida. I don't know who it was. I don't even want to venture to guess. But if you look at the play, he's standing there looking at it. He's standing in the spot originally where... The ball was caught a couple of seconds later. He moves a little, little bit 
Had he stayed in that spot for that play, he would have knocked the ball down. The ball doesn't even get to Wilder, and the Riders are in the Grey Cup. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to see that play because uh, my PVR cut out on me with two minutes left in the game, but unfortunately. I will say that I had to have a play by Ricky Ray and James Wilder to get the first down. And, and who else, who better to give it to, right, than the guy who's been arguably the MVP of the CFL in the second half of the season? Well, what a ballsy play by uh, Mark Trustman to put Cody Fajardo in to punch it in the end zone. Was that on the third down? It was on the second down. They tried it the first time he didn't get in. On the second time, he barely got over the line. So question to you then. Say he stopped on second down. You're looking at third down, 16 seconds left. Do you give it to him one more punch to get into the end zone, or does Ray go back out there and throw it in? No, I uh, I am surprised he didn't do this all along. Why didn't he give the ball to James Wilder the second time? Well, people in Seattle are still wondering why Marshawn Lynch never got the ball, Mike. So playoffs... Why Andrew Buckley never got the ball last year, too? Playoffs do weird things. And coaches overthink themselves in a game like this, and it drives me crazy. They make the moment a heck of a lot bigger than it is. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's just the magnitude of the stage they're playing on gets, you know, gets into your head. You're trying to think, what can I do to get that advantage? And sometimes it's sitting there right in front of you with a neon light, but you're busy out looking in the bushes trying to find it. It's so interesting to me how coaches in multiple sports, and not just the CFL, not just the NFL, but in hockey, but in basketball, especially in college football, the coaches somehow have a brain cramp where they overthink themselves, and it costs their team. This and would it, sorry, go it's ahead. So, it's so unfortunate. This would have been an incredible comeback by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders late in the game. I don't know if you saw on that Christian Jones punt return touchdown, just the mob of Riders staff and players marching down the field after him to celebrate with him after he ran that into the end zone. I saw that. That that was that was fun to watch. It, it, it you know it, it it reminded me. I don't want haven't watched too much college football, but it reminded me of you know. A game-winning college football drive. Everyone marching onto the field to celebrate. Yeah, I keep thinking about a. Uh, there's a game a couple years ago. Same thing happened. It was a rivalry game. I'm not exactly sure which one. Our our buddy Caleb would know this one for sure. And there happened to be a kick return or something after. Yeah, it might have been the Iron Bowl. I uh, believe it was. Well, the team takes the lead in the final 10 seconds or whatever, 15 seconds, and off the kickoff, this guy returns the kickoff on the final play of the game. And the home stadium just going berserk. Well, and to tie this back into the Riders here, I mean, yeah. Christian Jones, his the, the Riders have had at times inconsistency on defense where they gave up a lot of rushing yards despite being... You know, a strong defense. They had their holes in it. The offense has been cycling back and forth. Possibly the one strong consistency for the Riders this year has been Christian Jones. He's been known to turn games around for them. You look at that win, that eighteen seventeen win over Ottawa 
earlier in the season where they're down 17 nothing and he takes one back for a touchdown so fitting that christian jones is the guy who goes and gives them their first lead of the game with three minutes left it's just a shame that the uh the riders can't aren't able to go on and hold on uh, yeah, and that, make their way to the great cup that david i was thinking auburn defeats alabama in the iron bowl 2013 the miracle at jordan hair all right that, that's the play i'm thinking of for those for those that want to look it up Anything else you got on the riders here to uh, kind of close out, talk about them, move on to talking about what the Argos did well in this game? Anything else you have on the riders? Oh, boy. They are a team that's going to be a force to be reckoned with the next couple of years. They're not the bottom feeder basement dwelling riders anymore, but everybody could seemingly get a free spot on the main door card for. And I imagine uh, maybe we'll have our answer before we do this in the off season, or uh, maybe we won't, and we'll spend quite a bit more time talking about it at that point. But just to kind of quickly, the quarterback situation with Saskatchewan, I'm expecting Brandon Bridge should, in my opinion, Brandon Bridge should be the starting quarterback for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders next year. I don't know what that means for Kevin Glenn, whether he sticks around with the team or he goes elsewhere. But I, I, I think Bridge showed in what he did in the second half of the season. Coming into, you know, rallying a football game when you didn't start the game is no easy feat whatsoever. And he did that time and time again down the stretch. Um, the numbers don't always show it, but I think he's been a good rallying point for that offense for Saskatchewan. Uh, and I would expect and I would hope that he ends up getting a starting job with them next year. Yeah, I don't know, Ryan, if we have a big enough sample size to anoint Brandon Bridge as the number one, but I I am with you where we're in kind of a situation of Saskatchewan needs to have an answer at quarterback. I really don't believe that the quarterback rotational thing ends, ended up working, maybe in the regular season, but not in the playoffs. Does, the rider, the riders really only have a question at quarterback on their team. Does Brandon Bridge draw any comparisons to the early days of the career of Drew Williams, Saskatchewan, where he only had, you know, he he I think he started four games, but then you look at that free agent crop. You had Henry Burris, Zach Caleros, and then the third big guy was Drew Willie, who ended up signing the contract with Winnipeg and became the starter here. And there was a lot of hype about Drew Willie coming to town. Do you see the same thing from Brandon Bridge? Yeah, and that's the thing that really worries me, to be honest with you, Ryan. <laughs> um, especially when I look at the possible quarterback carousel that could ensue and should ensue. I'm not sure that Brandon Bridge is in the top two for other teams. I'm looking for quarterback options. I still believe that the number one and number two options are Zach Caleros in Hamilton. Or sorry, I'll say this. One of either Zach Caleros or Jeremiah Mazzoli or James Franklin. I think those are more sure bets than the little spark of magic. And this is no disrespect to Brandon Bridge. It's been a great story. But I just do not believe that the sample size is as big as that of Zach Caleros, that of James Franklin, that of Jeremiah Mazzoli. Let's talk about the Toronto Argonauts here heading off to the Grey Cup with the win sure. in this game. Did you ever see this coming this year? 
Well, I mean... Not at the start of the year, right? I mean, I, I look at it, and I look at the articles, and I see what they had on paper. S.J. Green, uh, Ricky Ray was anointed as the starter. That was probably the best decision that Mark Trestman made early on in his tender as coach of the Yardles. Remember he said on day one, I think, of his press conference, Richie Ray will be the number one. Uh, Richie Ray will be the number one quarterback for us coming into camp, no questions asked. Right, because they still, at that time, I believe, still had Drew Willie in Toronto before trading him to Montreal. Yes. And there was a discussion point, and I just think that that was the best thing that they could have done um, is anoint that as a starter. Also, this is Jim Pop. Like, let's give him credit too. Jim Pop found some talent, i.e., uh, Mr. Uh, James Wilder Jr., among others, and especially Posey and some of these receivers that have been, you know, kind of unchartered. And also on the defensive line, and just some really underrated de- de- defenders. But I think will cause some matchup problems for Bowley by Mitchell. Uh, we can get into talking about the great cup in a second. But large part of the credit also goes to Mark Trustman for utilizing the talent that he has and coaching them in a way that they could be successful. Well, and if you talk about the... Uh, and as far as, as far as I'm concerned, it's a wrap who the coach of the year is. What do you mean? Mark Trestman gets it hands down. Uh, he's up against uh, Dave Dickinson, correct? Yep, and I'm sorry, no disrespect to Dave Dickinson, but I think you and I both had, and a lot of people had Toronto in last place. Yep. They didn't have a general manager until after free agency. They didn't have a coach till after free agency. And now they're in the Grey Cup. So looking at this win over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Argos, the the big kind of key for them coming in that we were expecting to see was James Wilder all day long. He has a pretty good game, you know, uh, combined for a total of 104 yards here. But I think for a while in this football game, it was kind of not the impact from James Wilder we've seen. Um, I thought the Riders did a good job of containing him for a decent portion of this game. So for the Argos, what was it that kind of pushed them over the top? The defense. Forcing the turnover, they were relentless. Uh, They forced Kevin Glenn, as you said, to throw three pits. Uh, They played, uh, they did enough early on to make sure that even when um, even when Saskatchewan did take the lead, they were still close enough to allow Ricky Ray to do what Ricky Ray did and lead the Ardles down the field. Now, the kiss of death, if you want to call it that, may have in fact been that punt return and leaving Ricky Ray the amount of time that they did on the clock. Interesting. Because I bet you, I bet, because remember, if Christian Jones doesn't run that punt back, Saskatchewan gets the ball still trailing, right? Right. And they are allowed to take some time off because they don't run the punt back. 
So you're looking at a 15 to 17 second drive because of the punt return, giving Ricky Ray almost the full three minutes to engineer something. And I was watching the end of this game with somebody else uh, at the broadcast that I was doing, and my broadcast had went to break just as the Argos uh, had given up the Christian Jones punt return. And I said to this guy who likes uh, the CFL that I was with, uh, operating the camera for one of the teams. And I said, does this just not feel like they left way too much time for Ricky Ray? And him and I both looked at each other without saying a word, but we both knew that, yes, it was too much time. And it was very interesting. And that's just the, isn't that just the extraordinary thing about the CFL? Because you can talk about your team marching down the field a late touchdown with a minute left in the game. You put it on yep. the board. You go ahead by a touchdown, and you're thinking, "Oh, this is like this is incredible," and then it can all be taken away from you basically in the span of about 20 seconds. It's interesting too because in the NFL, you're looking at down by 10 with four minutes left, or even in college football with a 40 second plot on a first down and no timeouts just after the two minute warning, you can kneel down the clock to basically win it. In the CFL, in about the last, let's say, three and a half minutes, you can get two to three possessions, two for sure, three if, if things go absolutely your way. There is a lot that can happen in the last three minutes of a football game. And hey. that is why, just quickly tying back to Jason Moss, I mean, that was part of his line of thinking in taking the field goal yesterday as well. Yeah. I mean, you heard my thoughts on that. The field goal really didn't make a difference. No, I, I if you're trying to go out and win, the more high percentage uh, scenario is you go for the touchdown and you try the two point convert versus field goal, get the ball back, uh, march down, score a touchdown. But uh, we, we spent 20 minutes talking about that. No, no, and and you know, it's just one of those quirks of the CFL that you know you have in the final three minutes, an opportunity, you know, to have the ball two, maybe three outside chance four times. Yeah, and I think that's such the appeal of the CFL. Uh, and, and, you know, people are missing out. People who don't watch the CFL, people who leave stadiums early because, oh, you know, your team's down 14 mm -hmm. points or whatever – Stick around. A minute 35 left in the game and you score 13 points in, in the Bombers' sake and go on to beat the Montreal Alouettes. Yeah. This is why, you know, in every game I've went to, I don't think I've ever left a game before the final whistle blew, no matter what the score was, because the CFL is so entertaining that it can change even, on a dime in the final seconds. Even looked at how much of a blowout the West semifinal was that we were at. And I turned to you, and I think I even suggested, you know, do you want to leave early? And I know that the Bombers got two touchdowns in garbage time there, but I'll tell you what. Let that West semifinal be an example about what can happen. If, one, you take your foot off the gas too early, and, two, just how much can happen in the last couple of minutes. Yeah, and the... Uh... It's so interesting, right, that, uh, you know, like you said, the NFL the uh, or college football, you're looking at, okay, a late touchdown, yes, you just won the football game. 
now sometimes you know you're not you you go your team scores a late touchdown you go and celebrate and you're you're happy that your team took the lead but then immediately it turns to dread oh no we left too much time on the clock yeah and i think you know hindsight 2022 the right of defense played a great game up until that last drive as well you know keeping ready ray at bay making sure that the Ardles didn't take more advantage of those turnovers than they could have. So I don't blame this one on the right of defense as much as I, as some people do. But on the flip side, like, the right of defense had to make one play, and they didn't make it. Right. And that was stopping that third down. And the Argos convert that key third down, they go on to win this football game. Interesting to note, too, I don't know if you caught this on your PVR at all. But it Durant depends, Carter, was it in the last two minutes that were cut yeah. off by the recording? Then no. Yeah. <laughs> Duran Carter entered the game as a defensive bat on that Ardo game winning drive. Right, I saw that. I saw that part. I didn't see him play during that drive, but I definitely saw him coming in after the injury. Uh, and and that, that, that's just so... Crazy. It makes, me, it makes me so proud to be the, a Canadian. Like I'm a big NFL fan, but I'll tell you what, the game doesn't appeal to me as much as the Canadian game does. The Canadian game is so entertaining, and, that, and that's why we and that's why we do this podcast, right? Because it's not just entertainment enough to go and watch the game. You know, we can have hour long conversations about the game as well. And it like to me the NFL okay, you know they they could really help themselves out by shortening the play clock from forty seconds to twenty seconds and going to a a three down game which will never happen in the NFL ever. No, absolutely not. But that is why the CFL thrives so much, and the innovation of being a little bit ahead of the NFL as far as video review. You know, we, we've spent the last couple of minutes talking about what makes Canadian football such a great game. I, I, I don't think there's a better segue than that uh, to get into talking about the Canadian Championship game, the Grey Cup coming up this weekend. This whole season comes to an end uh, and in Ottawa. It truly is Canadian. You know, the end, you know, 150 years of Canada have the game in the nation's capital for the first time in a long time. It truly is a Canadian game, and this is no notch against the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl has gotten too, too corporate, too way commercial. too much. You know, of the corporate sponsorship, even baseball too, with the Chevy dying, they give away the Chevy, and it's gotten too, too monopolized as far as revenue. To be fair, the CFL, the the Great Cup's going to have its fair share of sponsors. It, it, it does, but. It's done in a Canadian way. You know what I mean? With the RCMP and, and you know, the whether they're, you know, the former members of, you know, troops that have served in Afghanistan or how you go about it. You know, they bring the Grey Cup out. The Grey Cup goes to the players. You know, the Super Bowl almost always gets handed out to the owner. You know, just the Canadian way of going about things. Right. It has its fair share of sponsors, yes. But at the end of the day, it's a truly Canadian event. And I think 
whether you like the game, whether you whether you're a CFL football fan or not, for the other 22 weeks of the season, it's irrelevant because I think they do a great job of getting the fan that is not necessarily the football person watching the game at least from a halftime standpoint with the music. And I think the CFO hit a grand slam with Shania Twain, a Canadian artist during a Canadian game in the Canadian Grey Cup. Now, if only at TD Place they can make sure the speakers are on when the uh, artists are performing, as we know <laughs> Investors Group Field has those issues. <laughs> it, it's, you know, and as much as we not that stadium sometimes, the only disappointing thing for me is the fact that you know, there is no host team for this great cup. But it really would have been something had Ottawa been in the great cup. And and that's, you know, me being selfish. I, I still think it'll be a good game. But I just find it so interesting, right? Right. That, um, that you know, Ottawa was in the great cup when it was in Toronto. I was just going to ask about that. And Toronto's in the great cup in Ottawa. I, I think that's a... Cool twist. And they're both playing Calgary. Yeah. So getting into talking about the Grey Cup between the Stampeders and the Argonauts, where do you want to go in terms of starting to talk about this? How do you want to break this down? Well, I think we should go offense, defense, special teams, and matchups to watch. All right. Well, kick us off. How do you want to, uh, What do you want to start with? Well, how, who do you favor offensively? Oh, boy. And... and Particularly, I want to look at the matchup at quarterback between Ricky Ray and Bully by Mitchell. Well, here you have, you know, these guys, Ray's been in the league a lot longer than Bowie by Mitchell has, but they both have a pretty good track record. You know, Ray's the veteran. He's done it before. Um, the uh, And then you have Bowie by Mitchell, who's won a Grey Cup. Has he won two? One, I think. I think he's won one. Beat Hamilton that one year, right? Yep. Um, but he's been and there. And that's a well-documented great captain. I think that was the one where Banks got the holding call called back. Yeah, the, uh, Taylor Reed with the uh, holding call. Oh, yeah, um, the Benamates had the return call back, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so, I mean, these are two great quarterbacks. They both have great track records throughout their careers. Uh, I think this is going to be a fun matchup to see in the Grey Cup, and, and I don't know because... Uh, Ricky Ray's had an incredible year. Bo Levi Mitchell has had a down year, but Bo Levi Mitchell, his track record speaks for itself. Um, I, I think it's a wash at quarterback. Question for you. Yeah. Is this Ricky, Way, Ricky Ray's swan song? No. Is he done if he wins the Grey Cup? If he wins the Grey Cup, I, I, I think possibly. I think it's too early to tell with how well he's been playing this year. For sure. There were people, myself included, that were ready to rate him off. Yeah, me too. Um, but get, getting back to your question as a whole, offensively between these two teams, to me it all depends which Calgary offense we see, right? Because we know what we're going to see from the Argos offense, but Calgary, you know, you take one on one side what we saw throughout the regular season, take on the other side what we saw from them in that game over the Eskimos this weekend. It all depends which Calgary offense we see. I think it's I think it's pretty much you know even between these two teams, but I I would maybe give a bit of a nod to uh, to the Argos. Yeah, maybe. How about yourself? You know, 
I'm with the agreement that it's 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 a wash as far as the quarterback goes. Overall offense, I did be advantage to Calgary. Why? Just they're deeper offensively, offensive line, wide receiver. I I think they're a little better at running back your own matchup over James Wilder just from an experience standpoint. I still think this matchup is close in a lot of key areas. Yeah, I basically have it even. I you know I said maybe a bit of an edge to the Argos, but you raised some good points. I mean, the depth. These teams are both really deep at off on offense. I think you look at the Argos. Uh, at wide receiver, and, and they just got Anthony Coombs back recently too, and he was a major factor in that win uh, over Saskatchewan there. So I, I I think it's a wash at at the on offense between these two teams. L- looking at the defensive side of the ball, who do you give the advantage to? Oh boy, Calgary the way they're playing, but the way Toronto played last week, I give it a wash. I'll give the edge to Calgary. I think uh, just based on what we've seen all season long, you know, whoever's lining up against Tommy Campbell, like I said before, isn't going to have a very successful day. And uh, I want about the S.J. Green. Pardon me? S.J. Green against Tommy Campbell. That will be a fun matchup to watch. I think overall this Calgary defense, you know, they're they're going to get after Ricky Ray. Um but I, I think it's close again. I liked what I saw from the Argos this week, but I definitely have to give the nod to Calgary just based on consistency throughout the regular season. That's fair. Special teams, who do you give it to? Uh, Calgary. Why? On the Roy Finch factor. I was just going to say the same thing. Roy Finch, an absolute game-breaker, right? Yeah, you know what? If he can break it, this game, right, and they come down to two things in my mind here, just, just really quickly. You know, they kind of tie with each other. That's, that's, that's why I kind of cement them as together. First of all, I think it comes down to Roy Finch and the ability to change the field position game from a punt return standpoint and a kick, kick return uh, standpoint. I think it also comes down to who is able to turn the football over the least, and the offense that is able to manage those turnovers. Points off of turnovers help the Ardos defeat the Riders. I think they need to force some turnovers if you're the Ardos to try to beat the Stampeders. Also, don't beat yourselves. And also the field position game, managing Roy Finch, forcing three and outs, and not just forcing three and outs, right? Forcing out. three and outs where they... Where, Early on in drives, like not a three and out at the 55-yard line where you get pinned deep. Hang on, I'm talking, hang on Mike. Mike. Take, two, and, two and out. This is CFL. Oh, crap. <laughs> we talked NFL before. You got confused, didn't you? I know, yeah. So much going on right now. Yeah, I agree with you, though. That I think it will come down to field position, and the turnovers is a good point there. Um I agree with you that I give Calgary the advantage in the field position or in the special teams game because of Roy Finch. Martise Jackson himself uh, can be a game-breaker, but I would give the nod to Roy Finch. Uh, and uh, he, he's had an incredible year, and, and he comes to play in big moments for the Calgary Stampeders. Yeah, and I also I think the two-headed monster running back. You know, the Utah and Searcher Messam, he's got that big, fast uh, bruising impacts as a, run, as a running back. And then you can also uh, 
You can also insert uh, Roy Finch. Yeah, absolutely. More of that speed factor, that speed finesse factor. Moving into the sidelines here, the coaching matchup, you have Mark Tressman, the veteran, the sophomore, and Dave Dickinson. Who do you give the edge to? Uh, Tressman. Why? I, I think he's got a few more uh, plays up his sleeve. Uh, he, he's been kind of that under-the-radar coach, but I'll tell you what, if there's a coach that I want coaching this great cup, it's Mark Tressman. Interesting. I would agree with you. And I, I think Mark Trustman is such a student of the game that there isn't much, and this goes back to, you know, Mark Trustman's first stint in the Canadian Football League. The game has changed a lot since Mark Trustman just came back this recent, you know, this recent second stint with Toronto. Right. How he's been able to adapt on the fly like that not a lot of coaches can do that. Also, the Corey Chamberlain effect on defense. Ardo's defensive coordinator, I thought he had a masterful game plan against his former team in the Eastern Final. It's also a battle, I think, of the coordinators. That Claybrooks for Calgary, Chamberlain for uh, Toronto. I think this sets up one heck of a football game. I, I think so, too. I, I'll, I'll give a bit of an edge there with, with the Mark Tressman factor. Uh, for Toronto the keys of the game for each of these two teams you kind of talked about there for Toronto manage the field position with Roy Finch Um, I would agree Uh, get James Wilder going early this Calgary defense is a strong one if you can get Wilder going that's definitely going to take some pressure off of Ricky Ray because that Calgary front seven is a formidable foe and is going to cause some issues if they you know can't get things opened up a little bit there um what, what is the key for Calgary? The key for Calgary is use your weapons. I think Calgary's deeper talent-wise than Toronto, you know, especially at the receiving position. But also, too, in the same sense, don't overthink yourself. Like, this is a game Calgary's favored to win. Don't let past great cup disappointments stand in the way of the game on Sunday. And I think for Calgary, the biggest key is to keep their composure, right? Because yeah. go yeah. back to the Grey Cup last year, but Levi Mitchell got flustered early in that game, and that first yeah. half was a nightmare for him. He ended and up he, getting it under yeah. control exactly. at halftime. That's the huge thing for them here is, you know, you can't, you cannot come out and start and, you know, throw an interception early and get down on yourself or something yeah. like that. Calgary needs to move the ball early get Jerome Messam involved, maybe switch things up with Roy Finch here and there, and spread the ball around. He has a wealth of wide receivers, you know. Use Kamara Jordan, use Devaris Daniels. Second down, you got Markway McDaniel. He's a good option for you there. Uh, so many options for Calgary. They need to spread the ball around, keep Toronto's defense on their toes. Um, defense, and on the defensive side of the ball, they just need to keep doing what they're doing, right? Yeah, for, for Toronto, it comes down to that front four. If they are the hounds that they were yesterday and take away time and space for Bully by Mitchell, he's going to have a long night. If Calgary's offensive line is able to stagnate in any way, this Toronto front four, it'll be a success Calgary. 
Getting into your pick for this game, Mike, Toronto, Calgary, in Ottawa, who do you have taking home the Grey Cup for 2017? Toronto, 31-27. Oh, you had the score on the ready for me. Yep. How long have you been thinking about it? Uh, since yesterday. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I'm going to take, oh boy. You know, I had the Argos making the Grey Cup and facing the Edmonton Eskimos, and I had the Eskimos beating them. I really like the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, Calgary, has, I kind of wrote them off coming into the playoffs, and I wasn't sure what was gonna uh, what to expect from them. I really don't know who to pick from this game because I think it's going to be a close football game. I, I want to pick Toronto, but, you know, I think last year's Grey Cup is sitting so vividly for so many members of that Stampeders yeah. team. I'm going to go out and take Calgary to win a close one by a late field goal. Wow. I, 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 it's got to end eventually, right? Year after year, Calgary, great regular season, strong performance in the West Final. They find a way into the Grey Cup. And then disappointment, it has to end at some point. I think this is finally the time. I, I was a big speaker of that reverse psychology coming into the playoffs. Of, you know, Calgary had a worse regular season than normal, and that all leads to them finally getting it together in the playoffs. I'm taking the Stampeders, Mike. Okay. Here's the thing, and I, I just a, a closing thought on my part here, and I, I believe... But somebody, I don't know who, is going to make a big play and make an unbelievable name for themselves in this great cup game. They always do, don't they? It, and it's not going to be your Michelle's of Calgary, you know, your SJ Greens. It's going to be somebody who's played early on in the season, maybe, but is on the practice roster, but is a backup. You know, on the depth chart, somebody. It's going to be like your Jawan Breskison, your Reggie Bagleton for Calgary, someone like that, right? Those type of players, somebody is going to step up with a key stat or a key interception or a key pit sets or a key touchdown grab, and he's going to have a new batch of stars on this, a new batch of stardom on the CFL's biggest stage. That's a great way to put it. Kind of closing question to close this all out, Mike. What sure. would the gray what would a gray cup win and what would a gray cup loss mean for each of these cities? Uh loss for Toronto for me would be a loss of momentum. You had such a dead crowd there yesterday. You finally have your fan base engaged. I think for them to stay engaged, honestly, they need to win the Grey Cup. I know it's a lot to ask. But I think we're starting to see a window of dominance open up in Toronto. And I hope the fans reciprocate that. And that momentum isn't lost by losing the Grey Cup. As for, as for Calgary's side of thing, I'll weigh, uh, yeah, I agree with you on Toronto there. You know, the issue, the major issue being talked about there has always been getting people to the stands. Definitely, uh, definitely an Argos win in the Grey Cup I think will help that a little bit, putting them a little more on the map in a very busy sports city in Toronto. Especially, uh, especially because Toronto FC, their soccer team, is in the Eastern Conference Final for the second year in a row starting um, that's, uh, starting tomorrow, actually, with the road laid. And then can you imagine winning the Grey Cup on Sunday and then having a home playoff game for TFC Soccer on Tuesday? Wonderful. 
Uh, moving to talking about Calgary, I'll, I'll weigh in on this one first, if that's yep. all right. Yeah, that's um, I, I think we're going to have very similar thoughts here. A win for Calgary is silencing the critics. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's been the criticism for them. Great regular season team, can't get it done in the playoffs. Calgary needs to go out and win this football game and silence those critics and say, we can do it, right? Especially after the way it ended last year. A loss for Calgary in the Grey Cup that leads to a lot of unknowns for me because I don't know what that means for the Calgary Stampede if they go out and lose another Grey Cup here due to, you know, what happens to the team because you have this team that clearly can lead to success because they win so many games in the regular season. But what changes do you need to make to win in the big game? And they need if they lose this one, they need to take a look and figure out why do we keep losing the big game? Yeah. I, I can't argue with that. And it's, you've been so successful. You'll be one of those, oh, it's always great to be a fan of your team, but you can't win the big one. Right. So, and that's going to be a lot of frustration amongst, you know, Stampeder fans. And I, I know that it almost puts a great regular season to waste if you can't win a great cup. It does. And that's why we've had 27 years of wasted regular seasons here in Winnipeg. More so, more so the last two seasons. Right. Um, you know, it's almost like, oh, great, they did our hopes up, right? And then it's like, ah, back to the old times, I guess. To close it all out, I think this is going to be a heck of a football game. I think these are, I, I'm very happy to see these two teams go head-to-head for the Grey Cup here. Um, you know, I had, uh, throwing back to playoff predictions, uh, you had Winnipeg and Ottawa. That didn't work out very well. Um, I had Edmonton, Toronto. I'm really shocked that Edmonton lost that football game. I thought they had all the momentum and they were going to take the Grey Cup this year. So I'm a little surprised to see Calgary in the Grey Cup. And I'm very excited to see them back there to see if they've learned from the mistakes they made last year. Yeah, see, that's kind of what I was suggesting as well. Uh, and to have this Argo team, which is almost it's almost like the exact same situation as last year, because the Red Blacks, while they went out and won the Grey Cup the year before, going into the Grey Cup last year, or no, sorry, they made it to the Grey Cup and lost to the Eskimos in Winnipeg in 2015. Uh, and then they made it last year. Huge underdogs against the Stampeders in last year's Grey Cup, and they come out and upset them. The Toronto Argonauts had a 9-9 record in the regular season, given what we thought of them coming into this year. Definitely, looking at the records, I think they're an underdog. So you kind of have that same underdog David-Goliath matchup, except I think it's a lot closer, and we're going to be in for a heck of a football game. Here's the interesting thing for me to dissect, and I don't want to get into this right now, but I have to ask the question. Is this Calgary's last chance at a great cup? No, absolutely not. Just because of what we're seeing in Saskatchewan and because of what we're seeing in Edmonton. I think Calgary has what it takes to be a competitor for year after year for as long as time goes. That's just the mark John Huffnagel makes on this team, constantly reinventing his team uh, and making it strong year after year. So I, I, I don't think a loss for Calgary would mean that. Um yeah, I, I don't know what else to say coming into this uh, besides I'm excited for Sunday. Here's an interesting thing. I know we'll get into it in the offseason. I don't want to bring this conversation up right now. Right. Just 
just a thought for, for our listeners. Just to on, get food for thought going into the offseason because I know we're going to have a long discussion about the one-division format versus the two-division format. I, I know where you stand on it. Um, you know where I stand on it. I think it's time for the CFL to really go to one-nine team division just from a standpoint that, you know, you're going to have good teams in Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg, and Saskatchewan now in the West. And I really see BC as that outsider team now. I, I really do. Uh, to take a couple of steps back now over the next couple of years, especially with their ownership uncertainty. It's just so unfortunate that the quality, not to save it, you know, Toronto didn't deserve to be in the Grey Cup and Ottawa didn't deserve, you know, to make the playoffs and hold the home playoff game and blah, blah, blah. But I really think that we lost out on a, the, the fan in me says, it's unfortunate we have to have these quality matchups prior to the Grey Cup. Not to say that Toronto and Calgary won't be a quality matchup, but I'll tell you what, I would have loved to see yesterday's Edmonton Calgary game in the Grey Cup. And it's unfortunate that the current format disallows that, unless, of course, you're a crossover team. Yeah, and we'll go. We'll talk about that in the off season. For right now, the focus is this Sunday: the Argos, right. the Calgary Stampeders in Ottawa. One of these teams will go on to win the Grey Cup. It's bound to be a heck of a football game. Uh, I'm excited. I know you're excited. I think everyone's excited because Grey Cup is so much fun. Um, and then next week we get to talk about it. Next week we'll be back with our uh, our season review show. We'll talk about the Grey Cup. We'll talk a little bit about the season as a whole. You might see a bit of a season, different season review show from us this year as we're not going anywhere in the off season, are we, Mike? No, no, no. And that's going to be the fun part. Uh, especially you and I thinking around some ideas possibly for CFL week, which is in Winnipeg. There more, more discussion to be had, but especially, you know, with the CFL week being in Winnipeg this year, there's no big reason to shut her down for... Right. Don't need no three-hour uh, season review special next week, and then we say goodbye for the winter. We'll probably have just a, a regular length show. We'll wrap up the season kind of overall. And then as we get move into the off season, maybe focus more on a team by team basis is what we're discussing right now. Yeah. Uh, to kind of prepare uh, to wrap up the season and prepare for free agency and what's to come in the off season for those teams. So look forward to all of that coming. Look forward to our playoff or our uh, season review, Grey Cup review show next week coming out. Um, there won't be a an, another edition of the CFL playoff roundtable out this week. I do apologize for that. I had something come up which prevents me from doing all the interviews and the editing for that. Just didn't have the time to go and get the roundtable out this week. Great work, nonetheless, on those two specials, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Um, that about does it. We'll talk to you again next week after we have our Grey Cup champion. We'll break it all down at that point. For Michael Garrell, this is Ryan Coop. This has been the Canadian Football Countdown. We hope you enjoy the Great Cup. It's been a fun ride, and it all comes to an end this Sunday. And we'll talk about it next week. Take enjoy care. Enjoy the Cup, too. Absolutely. Take care. Enjoy it all. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.